0: Good evening, everyone. You look all beached out.
1: A <laughs> yeah.
0: lot, of, lot of sun today, huh? Well, I finished uh, my book at 5 o'clock this evening by the grace <laughs> <very sodas laughs> of Dad. Huh? Well, I finished the last chapter, but now I have to go over the, all the chapters again. It'll take me a little while, but it's a different uh, mindset going over it compared to writing it and creating it and so forth. So, this feels good. it a been quite, quite a long book and taken quite some time to get this far, so I feel pretty confident we'll be able to publish it this year, sometime later this year. So are there any questions for us tonight? Yes.
1: Uh, My question is, what is actually this inner voice inside of us, uh, which we call intuition? Uh, Can we consider intuition as a pramana in our tradition? Because in in Vedanta, this term called intuitive intuitive knowledge and, uh, and another question is how we can rely on intuition in our stage an and how we can enhance our ability to hear intuition instead of mind or something else
0: yeah I think you know, there are different types of uh, intuitions um, and um, and um, in it's hard to say uh, definitively but I would conjecture that uh, in, a, in a broad sense oftentimes what is termed as intuition is something that's coming from the citta, some scars, impressions that coincide with uh, external environmental Circumstances that uh, 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 express themselves as well insight into a, into a situation that uh, you might not have consciously been in before or known anything about, and, and so forth. So there, there there there's probably a good argument for. Looking at uh, insight in, in general, um, along those lines, the term insight, I, I think, can also imp- imply someone who is insightful and has the ability to penetrate into events, circumstances, issues, problems, and pull out a, a solution. Or um, uh, so that's you know a little a little different but it's, it's all, one's also considered insightful if they can um, draw something from discourse or uh, events and so forth that are not uh, something that, uh, that most people can. Therefore, it's set aside as a keen insight into the nature of something. And that could also be uh, that kind of insight that someone may have that others don't have into into certain circumstances, could be based on their previous experience and so forth, that they're fully conscious of as well. So there's a lot of different ways in which the word is used. When we when we move towards um, a spiritual kind of understanding of it and, um, and look at it as um, something that is coming to us to help us in our spiritual practice an epiphany, hmm? a vision um, um, uh, maybe those are more elaborate ways of extended ways of speaking about insight as, as you appear to be thinking about it and, and questioning about it um, but uh, related um, um, and um, it's uh, certainly quite possible that in the context of one's practice, continued practice and so forth, one will the, the practice will begin to speak to one or give one the ability to understand for example the, the texts, what are the implications of it and so forth, that another person may not. Um, not necessarily as a matter of studying it, but just having imbibed more and more uh, Krishna consciousness then you're starting to be able to look at things from a more Krishna conscious uh, perspective and so because we of course um, we want that um, um, but then the way you seem to be talking about it is more of like an event that you know get get some insight into and and um, it's maybe um, uh, more of an exception perhaps. And then how to how to hone that, I suppose, and make it more more of a continuous uh, um, event and and way of way of knowing. And I, you know, I mean, to do that, I think that that spiritual practice does that in in due course. There's a there's a term that Rupa Goswami uses with regard to his um, definition of. Uttam adhikari, or one who is most qualified to tread the path. He invokes the term, uh, two terms, shastra nipun and shastra yukti. Um, sh- shastra yukti is, yukti means logic or reason, so reason based on scripture, what are the implications, and so forth. Um, some people can do that quite in- in- insightfully, and it's really based on their their absorption in the subject matter. Or Shastra Nippon means like a scriptural genius. To me, that could be an answer to a question that uh, is something that's quite unexpected and not necessarily a reference, citing a verse or something. For example, I would look sometimes, not always, but sometimes, scriptural genius as, as being a reply, like probably would sometimes give when someone would say, what happens, you know, when someone passes urine in the leela, you know, or some weird question like that? And Prabhupada would say, "Go there and find out." You know, it's like, okay, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like a genius kind of a practical but insightful answer. There's other ways, of course, that Shastra Nipun would be um, would uh, would be um, would be examples of it. You know, really a, a living acquaintance. With the scripture, with the text, living in the texts, and so forth, um, and um, and so you know, in that stage, the, the scriptures, reading them, you will, they will speak to you, give 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 insight. Um, but sometimes we just get insight, and then you're saying, how do I know the difference between what's insight and what's just in my mind? Well, you know, we have a a philosophy, we have a theology, we have kind of a map, scriptural map, if you will. Often said that what the Goswamis did, which was insightful, in a, in a, in a sense, was to locate the ecstasy of Jyotirnath, who, who there's no figure in the religious history of the world that more embodies ecstatic love of God, when with actual extraordinary symptoms of of ecstasy. It's quite an incredible historical uh, fact. Hmm? Uh, it doesn't necessarily make him greater or lesser, but it just it, it might. But <laughs> but uh, objectively speaking, it's, it's that's quite extraordinary. And um, they located him on the map. Okay. They located, located that ecstasy on the map, which at the time, of course, the scripture was the was the body of of knowledge that was definitive that you would go to. It was the bottom line. It was where you would get your pramana for. How you know what you know, hmm? if it if it can be uh, corroborated by uh, by the uh, by the revelation hmm? and so forth. So they located that ecstasy on the map. It's very interesting what how they did that and so forth. And and um, of course, it all comes out to Jatana is Radha Krishna. Krishna trying to taste the Mahavahavavrada and so on and so forth. Explanation of the ecstasy. So, um, I mean, Gaudiya Vaishnavism itself is extremely insightful hmm, perspective on the, on on revelation. It's a newcomer, in historically speaking, hmm, but it, it 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 really brings out new light that that puts in puts others insights in, into question. And not not. Um, to, not in the way that they would be dismissed, but whether they had had, had the measure or the extent to which the, the the founders, the practitioners of those traditions, had penetrated into transcendence. And I, I mean, that's the whole theory of that There's another realm that's not. It's called Mahabhyakunta. It's a, it's a rather um, unknown um, region. It's a quiet area over here, and even mm-hmm. if you if you describe it, it almost looks. Uh, mundane therefore the term uh, aprakata is used hmm? the prakat and aprakat the manifest world and the human natural world world and setting human setting and then it looks like that but it's but it's not it looks so you have an oxygen, you have a, prak, a prakrita, right the hmm? oxygen is overtly transcendental and a Procritist is, is looks ordinary but it's super transcendental so that's the whole very uh, insightful um, staggering but um, that said again uh, you know well how to distinguish between what's this genuine spiritual insight and what's just my mind well we have a body of uh, sacred text to to reference and you know typically the insights are give you insight into what is being really said here mm-hmm. huh that's the implication of that and then that might be like am I, am I sure about that hmm? am I sure about that I was writing in this last chapter about the Nisha Leela hmm? the Nisha Leela Nisha means night so the Leelas of Krishna in the invisible realm hmm? they're said to manifest here visibly historically hmm? and then disappear hmm? again and again in different universes how we know about them right so the invisible leela is, is the one that the, the ideas that you enter into and so a typical day in the life of Krishna in the initial lila is divided into eight eight time frames, time frame sections hmm? um, there's eight times three is twenty-four although a couple of them are longer than three and a couple are shorter so anyway uh, the, the day is divided into, into eight and I'm writing, I've been writing in the last last part of the chapter, the book's called The Circle of Friends, and so there's a circumference, there's a radius, and there's a center. Three divisions of the book, um, with you know several chapters in each each division. So the center is the is the is kind of we're going in like this. So it's the, the final piece, and now we're talking about the, in the radius. We're, well in the circumference. We're talking about the tatva, hmm? this the the, the 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 edge of the circle, the parameters of, within which this ideal, this experience of fraternal love of God will manifest. Hmm? And then we, having gone through the parameters, we go and examine the leela as it's described in the Bhagavatam, hmm? which is describing the manifest lila through the um, meditative vision of, 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 of Vyas. And amongst those uh, leelas, the progression from Krishna's birth to his departure, and so forth. Some of the Leelas are focused on sakirasa, sake hmm. So, as I say sometimes, there's a Vatsalya Rasa center of the 10th canon of the Bhagavatam, there's a Sakyarasa center, and there's, of course, a Madhurya Rasa center. You have the chapters surrounding the Dhammadhar Leela, hmm. that is the Vatsalya Center. And you have the chapters beginning with um, the um, slaying of Agasur through the whole Brahmavimahan Leela, Denikasur Leela, up to the 18th chapter, um, uh, you have a concentration there on uh, on on Ras. It takes takes you from the end of Krishna's Kumar Leela, the last phase of that, when he's a calf herder, all the way up into his adolescence and some of his adolescent um, Leelas. And then, of course, you you have a couple other chapters that uh, could be included. I included, for example, the What's it called? Um, the uh, the wives of the Brahmins, um, uh, Yagnaputis. Yeah. Also nice, nice insights there about sakyaras But at any rate, th- that that that's like I say, the radius of the book. That's like a hearing of the, a retelling and and really dr- looking at it with a microscope, through the through the this angle of vision, and drawing out so many things that you might not otherwise, especially if you didn't have that particular. Perspective, or the, or the microscope. <laughs> so then, uh, then the center is, is is going through the upper lila leela or the invisible leela, which is if you take the prakat leela, which is Krishna's born until he uh, he leaves brindaban at eleven and a half, he goes to Mathura, he kills Kamsa, he goes to Dwarka, and so on and so forth. Um, so if you take that leela from the time of his birth until it's time to go to Mathura, brindaban is Filling itself out. Hmm? Radhakund is being made, Govindakund, other things are happening, the position of Govardhan is revealed, and so on and so forth. So, um, what the Apricot lila does in terms of the Astaka grantas gruntas, which, which there are a number, Kavikarnapur wrote such uh, a text, uh, uh, Krishna's Kaviraja Course, the original one, um, and based on Rupa Goswami's 11 verses, which are drawn from the sanath kumar samhita shiva purana and so forth and then you have later day um mrishikuti Thakur, those are the major tomes if you will on Astakalila. um smaller and more narrative and then there are other smaller ones from other different devotees here and there and so forth so um, <coughs> what um, what's happening there in one sense is that the lila now is frozen Hmm. There's a per, certain Prakash or a section of Leela that's frozen. Hmm. And what is that? Uh, Vrindavan is fully developed. Krishna's in his Kishore. Hmm. Leela. The Rasa Leela has already taken place. He's about to go to Mathura. Don't go to Mathura. Stop. There. So now you've gone this from birth all the way up to his adolescence. Stop. He, he stays as an adolescent as a kishore, and as this lila has been developed he's now day after day there, doesn't go to matura that's the idea, so that's the window that you want to enter into you draw from the whole prakat or manifest Leela, developing as you read a certain feeling and then you look at the apricot. so then, then, then someone want to enter into the apricot, so it's frozen there, now all all the texts as I say, the, the the tomes, they really tend to be rather large uh, books, are written from the Madhurya Rasa perspective. Hmm. So, given that the book we're talking about is about Sakya Rasa, um, it's written about, and the fact, if you will, that is aside, that some very brief looking at the Astakalila from a Sakya perspective has been. Uh, given by Nainan the Thakur from the eighteenth century in his in his text uh rasarnava, very brief and in Bengali. Um, but the, the, the but the but the and the Nisha leelas, of course are, and the and the Madhima Lila, or part mm-hmm. of it, the better half of it is left out. Hmm. Because his book is written about from the Sakharasa point of view, but from a Priyasaka who's who has uh, cable Ratti, only pure sucrose, not any other combination. The Narmasakas, in contrast, their Sakyabhav is, is influenced by or even mixed with, with, uh, with maduria. Hmm. And so I'm written about the Astakali from that vantage point. Hmm. I'm telling. was making a point, but I'm going a long way, roundabout way to uh, to make it. I will have to try to remember what the point was, but um, it's rel- relative to your to your your, your question um, about insight, right? Um, yeah, I've got it. But uh, but uh, but uh, when you come to the the uh, of course from the Narmasaka perspective, when you come to the, Malila, the midday lila, well. The balance, the greater balance of Krishna's friends remains with Balaram. Hmm. Krishna makes an arrangement for that, and then he goes with his Narmasakas to the Radha Kundari, and there are romantic intrigues with between Radha and Krishna that these friends assist in, and so forth. And uh, uh, But but when you come to the, to the Nisha Leela, the nighttime Leela, and then the pre dawn Leela on the other end of the spectrum, the Nishanta Leela, well, is there any role for the for the for the narmasakas? Is the question, mm-hmm. and so I brought out you know how that that they have a, they have a, they have a role that they can play, mm-hmm. and, and, it, and it may be occasional, citing mm-hmm. from Raghunandhaskrishna Goswami, some of his texts, some Rupa Goswami, from my Gurumah also, um, and um, so in. Finishing the last chapter on this, the Nisha Leela. Well, the Lila itself, as in all the, these other um, um, leela narratives, you know, there's there's no mention of any any It's not a Sakurasa, um Leela. Hmm? but and, uh, but again, there are some exceptions like the Venuharana Leela of Rupa and We find Subala madhu Mangal all night long. Into even the pre-dawn, and uh, intrigue between Krishna and uh, Radha and Chandravali and Krishna and the, these Dharma are participating, and so forth. So there's an, so, you know, to go through it for a moment. Das Swami in his book, uh, The Pure. What is this book called? PU- purabda, Purab Prem hmm? Stotram. So, you know, the the, the cream of the, the prayer on the cream of prem hmm? Basically, and there in his first verse, he depicts Krishna in, 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 with Subal in the forest after hours, hmm. and uh, pining for for Radha, who, who hasn't come to the to the designated spot. What's why is she late, and so he sends Subal to get her. So you, know, you have to bring out what the text is saying there. But uh, Dasta Krsna is meditating on that, and he's experiencing this, this lila. And Subal, brings Radha, and, and uh, they're going through the forest, and Subal's in the lead, and and uh, Radha's got his hand, her hand on his shoulder, and Tulsi, you know, vrindadevi has got a hand on Radha's shoulder, and Tulsi Manjari's got a hand on Vrinda's shoulder, and this way they go to the designated spot, and Subhal has. So he's playing a role. So there's a place. There, there are some e- exceptions. There's a nice verse by Rupa Gosami cited in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, in which um, he de- he demonstrates how sometimes Sakirasa may be mixed with hasya, right, with with the, the humor rasa, mm-hmm. and it just happens to be the verse happens to be in a setting which is Madhurya. So Krishna is, is 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 as Prabhupada explains it in his nectar devotion uh, it's he, he he's at the rasa lila setting and a new gopi has come. Hmm. Hmm. The verse says that then a new new gopi comes and Krishna tells him tells her you know I'm not the kind of boy you think I am. Hmm. Why are you talking like that? You should go home. Hmm. And Subhal's cracking up. Hmm. Uh, so, so, <laughs> so. Uh, here's another instance, right? So there's a few instances like this, but it's not, you know, the the, the, the norm. Hmm. Um, the other course side of it is for narmasakas at night, as I think we've explained before. They dream about Krishna's leelas. Hmm. They dream, or all the sakas they dream about cowherding leelas, but. Those who are Narmasakas will also have dreams about the romantic affairs of Krishna. So there's reason for them to be acquainted with the Nishanta with the, the pre-dawn and the night Lila, and so on. And who knows, they may get a call hmm, to participate, right? Hmm, it happens, is the point. But the point I'm getting to is that besides that, hmm, there is another beautiful way in which um such, narmasaka upasakas, or practitioners, worshippers, could participate in the nishantalila, hmm. and that is, of course, uh, the the glory of gorlila. Because, and in, in the evening, Mahāprabhu in the mood, becomes possessed in the in the eternal gorlila. Hmm. Okay, the invisible gorlila. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu becomes possessed of the bhava of Radha going out at night to meet Krishna. Hmm? And until he goes to Srivasangam, hmm? to the courtyard of Srivasthakur, and there, of course, he performs Sankirtan and experiences the Rasalila. Hmm? And the devotees who are with him also experience it at least. Witnessing, if, if not in a suitable swarup or form for directly participating, at least witnessing, so this is another way in which they participate. Hmm? And so the the insight that I got as I, uh, there was, of course, that 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 the courtyard of Srivas is... Srivas means the residence of Sri. Hmm? Right? So um the courtyard of Shivas. shivastakwar is is of course depicted as the narda muni of Gorlila. Hmm? and gopal champu explains that Nardamuni is an expansion of Madhu Mangal. Hmm? krishna kaviraj goswami and chaitanya mithai also indirectly but very but very clearly if you know what you what to look for it also depicts Srivastakur as in the bhava of Madhu Mangal. Hmm? So, by extension, if Srivastakur is Narada, he's Madhu Mangal. Hmm? Um, Madhu Mangal, of course, is the pujari. He lives in the house with Krishna hmm? in the uppercut Leela, and he's the pujari in the house. He has some assistant Brahmin boys, too. And Nandamarj worships Nashingadev there. And Shivastaka worshipped Nashringadev. Hmm. There's a beautiful instance when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to the door of Shivastaka and he was worshiping the with the door closed and he started pounding on the door and Shivas is in meditation doing his puja and you know, not hearing it or ignoring it. And finally he hears this roar like a big lion and the door breaks open and there's Chaitanya Mahaprabhu showing himself as the as who Shivas is worshiping. Hmm. He says, say some prayers. Hmm. As the Shivas so begins to glorify hmm, and sing prayers, he prays at Bhagawan and his prayers are all in Sagiras, hmm, describing Krishna Leela. <laughs> he's looking at Dev, and he's describing the Krishna Leela. So there's a course of prayer. Nishingadeva is very tied to Krishna. Prahlad was a devotee of Krishna. And Krishna showed himself as Nishringa given the circumstances. So, very peculiar, especially when He's got an important role, in, of course, in Navadwip, and as we see, he's the deity at the house of, 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 of Krishna's home. Hmm? Hmm. So, point being what that that we're looking for some place hmm, and some way to talk about the Nishalila from the from the perspective of the Narmasaka, right? And there's not a lot to chew on in the, in the, in the, the texts that give the nar- narratives of the Nishalila, because they're all s- steeped in in, in, in Rasa. But when we look at it from the Gaurila, then we find something very insightful, if you will. I got an insight, very charming, which is, of course, what? And if we look, as we have every reason to, hmm, at Sri Vastakur as Madhu Mangal, in, in gorlila He's a Narmasaka and he's a kingkar or a servant of Radha. So certainly he has a place, He's has a, has a residence for Radha in his heart, Srivas. Hmm? Hmm? He has a place for Radha in his heart. So we look at the very courtyard of Kirtan where the Rasa Lila is experienced by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? In Radhabhav hmm, as a manifestation of the heart of the Nar hmm. So it gives the beta I mean, this is of course a particular angle of vision that can draw out that type of of, of insight. It's a it's a kind of a ecstatic insight, so it can't be really argued with, and it's supportable. But so you ask, you know, you have an insight. I think it might be like this. Lila might work like. This. That's a pretty novel statement What I just made the heart the courtyard of Shiva is the heart of of Anarmasaka which is if, in which the, this the the, 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 the acme of the krishna lila is experienced by chaitanya mahaprabhu which is which is which is, which is the rasa dance hmm? um, uh, Guru-pakari gropa spri- uh, Das, this, of course, is the, like the Mahavakya of the Brihad uh, Bhagavatamrita's first canto. We really find the same thing. Brihad hmm? Bhagavatamrita is, is... Narada Muni is searching for the highest, fullest, most intimate expression of, of love of God. Hmm? He goes through many, many realms, talks to the great devotees who are the greatest devotees in those realms. And ultimately, he, he ends up in Dwarka, And there in Dwarka, he says something... Such that Krishna's mind he goes to Vrindavan, and everything turns upside down. Mm-hmm. And it's his heart's gone to Vrindavan, and the Dwarka Bhasis are afraid they're going to lose him, and so on and so forth. And so there's this big disturbance, and Krishna comes out of it, and and then Nara is feeling embarrassed. His, he feels embarrassed. That I've created, I came to Dwarka, you know, and I created a disturbance. You know, please forgive me. Forgive me. This is his his. Um, um, you know, way of reacting, and Krishna says, Don't think like that. Hmm? The best friend is one who reminds him of his beloved. That, that's what you've done. Hmm? So, who's doing it? Here we have Narada Muni, hmm? who is the expansion of Manu Mangal, hmm? and through him and his questioning and the circumstances that he's created, the Brihat Bhagavatamrita expresses its, in the first canto, its fullest, um, the height of uh, the conclusion, what Narada is trying right, trying to come to. Gopibhava is the highest ideal. So it's being expressed through the, through the Narmasaka. And then you go to the second canto, of course, the protagonist, is is a Gopu Gopukumar, who becomes Sarupa in the Leela. And, and he's, through him and his experience, that same highest ideal of Gopi Bab is being expressed. So to say that it's being expressed in Gorila through the court of Srivas as a manifestation of an Armasaka's heart. There's a way to, there's enough to support such, an, such a such a radical, if you will, um, insight. So point being, <laughs> you can get insights, but <laughs> but uh, how do we know if, they're, if you're just making them up or whether they fit within the parameters of of Rasa Tattva, or within the parameters of the Tattva in general, and and so on. So we do have a map, if you will, and, and a frame of reference, and acquaintance with that, of course, and good association, a good enough and close enough association that we can ask questions like this about our insights and whether they're insightful, whether they're, they're they, they fit, so to speak, they, they fit within. Within the circumference of what is, you know, Bhakti rasa or what is, what is, what is hmm? Um there were insights, and, and it's an interesting point because there were insights that were, arose in the hearts of devotees who were immediately in the immediate association of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his associates, and they, they, those insights arose in the form of poems. Hmm? In praise and glorification of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and and there were many, many, many of Mahaprabhu's associates who were uh, artisans, poets, musicians. Um, I mean, look at the body of of, of poetic literature. There's there's like three thousand. I think it's three thousand poems in the Gaudiya Padavali, the Bengali poems about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Radha and Krishna. Just written by many different poets, some of them with their names on them, some not. Material hmm. that hasn't, you know, isn't, hasn't come into English, uh, and then so many biographies about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in Sanskrit or or in Bengali, but in very poetic Bengali. So these were very they had a, quite a, an educated uh, sector. Um, Rup Sanatan, I mean, they were extraordinary people. They could. Hmm, as, as even as young men they were given high positions in the in, in, the, uh, in the secular um, government before they um, left the world and joined Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So, at any rate some insights came and poems were offered, written in praise of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and the filter through whom they would go before they were given and offered to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was his che- secretary, Sarup Damodar. So Sarup Damodar Krishna describes, he would look at the poems in terms of tattva, in terms of siddhanta, in terms of rasa. I think those are the two terms that he uses to see if they fit within the parameters. And they didn't always. Hmm? And so it's an interesting point, because these are extraordinary people talking to Dhammadar hmm? <laughs> and associating with if not eternal associates, associating with eternal associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And the, the, the one instance that's cited is, is it, I think Balaramacharya pushes somebody forward, has a nice poem, and all the devotees are said to have liked it. All the devotees thought it was really cool, or, you know, really nice. And Sarupamater rejected it because it didn't conform with the Siddhanta. So there's an instance in which we could tell how whether the insight is... Is is really a spiritual insider, whether it's you know it's it's, it's coming from outside of the parameters of what constitutes um, genuine Godia spiritual experience, as, as as we understand it. But of course, the interesting thing there is that these were extraordinary people. So so you, you may you, just because you find an old bo- and this is this is a, this is this is fairly common. Just because you find an old book that's a hundred years, 200, 300 years ago, and it's written in Bengali. You know, now you're going to call it a scripture, and everything it, sa- it says in there should be, ex- should, be should be accepted as, as if it was a verse from the Bhagavad Gita or something like that, that that's, that's not the case. And, and then, then anything that's new, you question, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> You think, well, it can't be very good, you know, some new guy wrote it, you know, some guy from our time, you know, can't be. I mean, this is a very, obviously it sounds silly, but it's very, very, very common. If it's old, and it's written in Bengali, you know, in Sanskrit, it must be now a scripture. Somebody was citing some scripture that was a, that was in some way associated with um, Nard Pancharatna, which the Goswami cite. Hmm. But it was like a Smriti text that was somehow associated with it. And in that Smriti text it said that women could not be initiating gurus. So they made this whole case that here, that, and this guy did it in the scholarly way with footnotes and everything like that. And and, 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 and he, he, he made the case that that because this is, this is a bona fide text because it's associated with the Nard, Pancharatna. So obviously it's bona fide and it's old and, you know, and here it is. And they dug it out of who knows what hole, you know, from where. Because no Goswami ever cited it ever, ever. And that's not a point that they even considered, you know. It may be old. It may be some somebody may say from some other sampradaya. It may say it's connected with the Nard punch, But the Goswamis ignored it. And that and that point just just missed. He missed that point entirely. You know, somebody told me or, or, or cited the fact that um, there's another book similar. You know, different, but has questionable tenets in it that many people in the Gaudi Sampradaya accept because it's old and it says something different about Nityananda Prabhu that uh, Anangamanjari Samput, was it? Samputika. Samputika. Hmm. So, um, somebody said, well, Bhaktivinoda Thakur, he has had a handwritten version of it. So he took the time to write it, you know, make a handwritten. Of course, they weren't publishing it, they weren't printing it. It, was, it wasn't, those weren't the days like that. So he wanted to have his own copy, so he handwritten it. But he never cites it ever. Ever neither any of the conclusions that, that are questionable or contra- contradict the Goswami Siddhanta, he obviously didn't cite any of those. So, you know, so the fact that he copied it, it's like he must have really, you know, must has been really important to him. If it was really important to me, he would have cited it and brought it out and, and so forth. Mm-hmm. Still, he respects it. It came in his own line. He respects it, but he doesn't cite the things in it that are contradictory to the Goswami Siddhanta. Mm-hmm. Um, so, everybody that's, you know, from hundreds of years ago who's a devotee is not necessarily, um, their their book is not necessarily bona fide or, or uh, accurate in, in terms of rasa, vicha or basic, basic tattva of our sampradaya. I mean, it may work for somebody else, we're just talking about our own sampradaya. Well, what are our conclusions, what's orthodox, what's heterodox, and so forth. So, so I mean, I think that's kind of the basic answer, how to know the difference between w- whether my insight is, you know, is you have to give it to Serub and see what he says. <laughs> 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 that's easy enough.
1: Hmm? So it can be only accepted as a Praman, this intuition, if it, it is confirmed by scriptures?
0: Well, so I, I, I think...
1: Independently? i so think you know, some people they thinking that this is the voice of higher self or god inside jiddu guru it's
0: intuition uh-huh. well i mean i mean i think that it's 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 um, if you accept for example that the bhagavad gita is the song of god mm-hmm. let's say okay well then you know you got a pretty good 700 verses god speaking He's making a, and he making and and he happens to be making a case to arjun of how to how to become enlightened i mean the subject is pretty pertinent right mm-hmm. to anybody who's a spiritual practitioner for with you know affiliated with an eastern tradition within hinduism or obviously within our our lineage so if somebody has an insight from god you know you might want to th- If it contradicts the Gita, then obviously it's kind of, you have to, I don't care how profound it would seem to you, it contradicts something that has more credibility, hmm, if you will, than your particular insight. Does anybody else have the insight that you have? That's another thing. Let's say an insight is, let's say, you know, we're going down the street and I have an insight, you should turn left here, that's where to go. And the other person says, well, I think you should turn right over here, you know. We have our different insights. We know which which is it, but it could be go straight. Who knows? But then there are insights that are universal within humans. There are insight that every every human being has, you know, like without exception, some insight, like like that. There's more to life than what meets the eye and the mind. You know, a phrase that I use sometimes is something something like that. What Freud called, who's the only one that didn't have it, the what did he call it? <laughs> the ocean. The oceanic experience. These people come to me and they tell me they have this oceanic experience that there's more. I don't know what they're talking about. (laughs) Good old Freud, you know. Uh, But uh, unfortunately, he was not. He was taken more seriously than Jung. But uh, but um, okay. So it's more or less a universal insight. Hmm. Now. Does that make it true? You know, it could be a universal insight that didn't actually, when you look at it carefully, doesn't square with the facts. That's possible, but it might be given a little more credence than just your insight and nobody else has the insight. <laughs> um, so there's ways in which any particular insight, you know, might be measured in terms of its credibility outside of just what does it say that in Scripture? When it say in Scripture, is there a verse that says the same thing? We don't mean like that, but does it conform with the logic, the basic concept? Uh, I mean, if if you get an insight that, um, again, that contradicts, if you're in a tradition, and your insight contradicts the tradition considerably, then you know you, you it's something not, not to take too 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 seriously. And the mind, all kinds of things can come out of the mind. Hmm? I mean. There's, there's guys in California years ago in 1969 who had insight to, to that they should go and kill people in Hollywood. It's a famous story. Hmm. What is it? Charles Manson and Associates. It was, it was, of course it was a little bit drug-induced and, and just part of a wor- world view. Hmm. Hmm. These Hollywood stars, we grew up watching their TV shows and they've made us the way we are and it's bad. Therefore, they should be killed. So they went out at night and, and did a horrible act, and they thought it was, you know, spiritual. So there's all kind of things like that that, that go on. It's nice that we have some standard to refer to that they could dismiss a lot of insights. Hmm. Um, now that said, there can be insights that come that aren't in the scripture, but they they kind of grow the scripture. Hmm. Like just I give this. I just give this one, you know, the courtyard of Shiva is or the heart of a of a of a of a you know. Okay, that that's not going to be written in any book. I can tell you that. <laughs> I read a lot of them, <laughs> but you know, it's a, it's it's like a growing of the thing. It's like putting putting two and two together in the, in the way they've never been put together before to get four and a half, you know, yeah. hmm. and you can't really argue with it, hmm. but it's never been said before, so there are, those are those, Th- that's the ongoing, you know, legacy, the, the new the new light, That the fact that revelation is not a, a, a static, static thing, you can find um, some insights like that in the writing of Bhaktivinoda Thakur, and uh, you know, in different times, I excite him because here he's in a very different time, and uh, uh, you know this particular what I said. This is from a different angle of vision than the, than the than the Madhurya Rasa perspective. So, but that's a valid perspective, the Sakya Rasa perspective. So you can make the make the point. But though there are insights like that that you can't. And you know, someone will say, I read that in Swami's book. And where's that in the scripture? You know. Well, it's right there. That's the scripture. It's ongoing. That's the you know the point. To be honest with you, well. Humility—that's <laughs> that's what a person like me is supposed to do. If I can't do that, I probably shouldn't be sitting here. So, so insight. What else? What's the time? Uh, it's probably hard to follow all this stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah question. Sure, sure. That's good. Thinking. Bring us down. I mean, take yeah. us
1: up. <laughs> so been, and I a hike later, and, um, I asked them at the end, um, what's what's something, you know, tangible, <laughs> something basic that I could, you know, add into my life as spiritual practice. As someone who's very, um, you know, a novice, obviously, and um, and I'm not particularly attached to. You know, like achieving all this in my lifetime, right? Something that I can start with, like Chant Japa. And I've heard that. i you know, the does that, and I've, I've, I've exposed mm-hmm. to that in the last several years. But what, what does that mean? To, and what is the objective from your perspective? Of, of that? What What What's
0: What does Chant Japa mean?
1: Yeah, and why? And why? And what? Would, what's the? You know, if I were to to do that, what? What is the purpose? What is the Idea, what should
0: I mean? Well, yeah, one of the ways to think about that is that there are many ways, many things that we do in life, and, um, and uh, you know, we try to do this, whatever we're going to do as best we can, and so we try to get as much knowledge about it so that our actions will be informed. Hmm? Let's say we want to vote in an election, and we want to get information so that we can make an informed ballot, you know. From our perspective. Um, so um, uh, we are all seeking knowledge in one sense so that our actions can be well informed and that our actions will make us happy or s- successful, right? So there's a purpose to uh, uh, the, 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 our pursuit of knowledge. Hmm? To inform action such that action will make us happy. That's basically what everybody's doing, in a broad sense. So, the question is then, you know, given that, um, that, that in a sense we're looking for perfect knowledge, hmm? um, by which we can become perfectly happy. And of course perfectly happy, Means that you're going to be full. You're going to have no wants. When you have no wants, you can be a giver, in the full sense of the term. If you have no wants, and you're in touch with people that have wants or desires, and as such are not fulfilled, suffering, hankering, lamenting, which is so much of our life, mental energy, hankering for something, lamenting we don't have, we lost it, we can't get it. And so forth. So when we do, when we when we've transcended hankering and lamenting, for example, and have no wants, and we're in this world, where we could be very useful in this world because we would have something, we would have something that nobody else has. We we would have compassion in a universal sense, hmm? because really the whole problems of life we we've we've risen above them. We've got that kind of wisdom and knowledge. Hmm? So a kind of knowledge that by which one senses there's nothing more to be known, and so all that's left to do is, at least with regard to people in the world, is just feel compassion. Even if you just sit there and feel compassion for them, if you really feel that, that has power, hmm. that's going to heal people in the world, and you know even even in, a, in an ordinary sense. Hmm. So even if somebody's living in a cave, right, you don't even know about it. Hmm. He's tuned in everybody's problem, and, he's, and he embodies the solution to it. Mm-hmm. And as such, you know, he's radiating with universal compassion. So that's pretty something to attain, right, <laughs> is the idea. Now, given that that's what I'm speaking about when I say perfect knowledge, the perfectly informed m- means I'm no longer going to act in pursuit of happiness, in relation to things that don't endure, because I want enduring happiness, oh, that's a recipe for being unsuccessful. We can think, we can know that theoretically, right? But then, to do that and, and cease from pursuing things that don't endure is easier said than done. Hmm? But it's done by realization. Now How do we get the realization? Hmm? In other words, I can tell this to you theoretically, and you could sh- shake your head and go, "Yeah, that sounds reasonable, interesting, and so forth." Well, we we need it we need it to to arrive at perfect knowledge, which is more than just something between our ears, hmm? that it actually goes in the heart and brings about a change and becomes a living thing that that, 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 that we're at the embodiment of that wisdom. Hmm? Um, And you can actually, you know, you could say like the, all the Buddha did was sit down, try it, you know. <laughs> well, it's not so easy to sit down and not get up because we've got things in the heart that are telling us we need to do this, we should do that, we want this, we want that. So to empty that out, that's a huge thing. To sit there is to be really full and so forth. So to to, to make that theoretical knowledge that we can talk about, turn it into realization, we need a method to do that, hmm it's not going to be the way we, we even the way we acquire ordinary knowledge hmm? um, or even theoretical spiritual knowledge. It's going to be different. We need a, something that, that, that takes us beyond the, the, the ken of reason. Hmm? So we need a transrational rational method hmm? to go beyond the limits of reason. Reason has its limits. Hmm? Um, So if we can reason well about the fact that that really I'm pursuing perfect knowledge and this is in a basic sense like I'm speaking about what it constitutes then I need a method that's not unreasonable but picks up where reason leaves off to arrive there. Because I can't just reason my way, I can't just think my way into it. Hmm? Hmm? You can't just think away your desires. It's something like, let me give you another example. Let's say you've got a psychological problem, okay? An issue. Some kind of dysfunction or something that's getting in the way of your, your life. So you, you get some counseling. And the counselor understands the problem. Now you understand the problem intellectually. That's not going to solve the problem. But it's a step in the right direction. It's not going to solve the problem. I can say, this is your problem. You're suffering from um, lack of self esteem. Hmm? And it comes from this. You know, in fact, it happened in your childhood. We brought all this out. This is what it was all about. This is how it happened. when, and so now you got to, you know exactly what the problem is, but it doesn't solve the problem, right? You've got the reasoning to it, why it is, but that is not sufficient to make it, to solve the problem, to make it go away. You need some kind of psychological, emotional, approach to this emotional problem to cure the problem, rather than a rational approach. To an emotional problem, the rational approach can tell you that you that you need that. Mm-hmm. What the problem is, and that you need to go beyond reasoning, or use a different tool than reasoning to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. But reasoning in itself can't solve the problem. So it's a, I'm giving an analogy. Similarly, I, I, we can give you theoretical knowledge, but the theoretical knowledge and reasoning about it doesn't make your desires go away. It doesn't. It doesn't. It, so so there's, we need a trans-rational method. So the chanting is one form of a transrational method. And if you just sit and hear the chanting and so forth, then it's possible by such, if it's supported also by, by theoretical knowledge and whatnot, that you can actually stop the mind. If you stop the mind, you'd be quite surprised that how oppressed you are by the mind. Hmm? Busy, it is all the time going, 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 and like music, never stops. You know, and it stops, and then you experience something of your something of yourself that is, that is being blocked by the by the busy mind, hmm? and it's blissful. It's a touch of like what it means perfect knowledge to be perfectly happy. It has nothing. It has it's nothing like winning the Super Bowl getting the new job you want having your first baby or anything that people celebrate in this world it, it's, it's, if you could take all of those things together put them in a pill and take it hmm, it wouldn't compare to a glimpse of what the self is hmm, Be it when it was free from thought hmm. and usually our thoughts are about things so do we, do we, we, can, we can use our thought to think about why there's something more important than things, and and then start to turn our thoughts towards practices that can actually take us beyond thinking. Hmm? And those, those those thoughts we get from good association like this. We ask questions, we get good answers. Then it helps us to apply ourselves in practices that are transrational. So the chanting is one such transrational practice. that has been practiced for for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of years. And there are many adepts who have perfected that just by hearing, just by hearing. You know, they, they, they set themselves a certain period of time and in the morning, they, they nothing else going on, they do it regularly without... And they think This is the time when I don't think about anything. I'm going to start to stop thinking. And rather than just stop thinking in an abstract way, I'm just going to hear the sound. Just like sometimes you can stop thinking. Well, so you're just going to stop thinking and just hear the sound of the names of Krishna. And then they... And these names um, if you can hear them they have power. The problem is we can't hear them just like you can't hear a dog whistle. Hmm? So I can say Christian that doesn't mean you heard the name you heard the name hmm? You have the whole filter of your conditioning and your mind and everything like that when you can actually hear then th- what's inside of that name comes out and what's in a name Just to, I've sometimes given an example. Somebody calls and and your and, and you, your child answers the phone, and then you come home and they say, Daddy, you know, phone just rang. Say, Who was it? Uh, somebody had a message. What was his name? I don't know. Well, what was his name? If you have his name, you can get him. Hmm? So his name, his whole life is, is is revealed through his name, if you will. Similarly with the name of Krishna. So there's a form to the name. There's, there there are, there are qualities. There's movement to the Godhead and transcendence. And so all these things are contained in the name. You just need to hear it, hear it. But it's not easy to hear because shh, <laughs> we're listening to, to the music. We can't turn it off. But this is a method, in this one sense, is to turn off the music. Hmm? Just listen to the sound. Hmm? And then, of course, if you can support that with philosophy and theology and so forth, the answers questions, um, then, then then, you can have more reason to, to apply yourself in the chanting, and when you get a taste of what I'm talking about, then you really have reason to continue it. It's like beyond anything Swami ever said or anything you ever read. Like I got personal experience of what's being talked about, and that's you know, going to drive me to to continue with this practice. So those are some thoughts on that. Does that help? Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Okay. All right. We stop there. Dajagopal Jai. Aye. Go Bhaktarinda Jai. Aye. Gore Pramanandi.